0: The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. Whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. By the mouth of a fool comes a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. Where there is no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. A faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness breathes out lies. A scoffer seeks wisdom in vain, but knowledge is easy for a man of understanding. Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving. Fools mock at the guilt offering, but the upright enjoy acceptance. The heart knows its own bitterness, and no stranger shares its joy. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Even in laughter, the heart may ache, and the end of joy may be grief. The backslider in heart will be filled with the fruit of his ways, and a good man will be filled with the fruit of his ways. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps.
1: Um, Just before we start, I'd love to point out a notice which didn't make it onto the notice sheet. Uh, That is to say, everyone here has been invited to a party, uh, which is nice. There's a woman hosting a party in her house. Uh, She lives in a really cool house, actually. It's well worth seeing. Uh, She built it herself, and I've been informed that she's putting on a really spectacular meal. There's going to be, I don't know loads about it, there's going to be some meats and uh, really good wine. Uh, But it's really big. It's big enough for everyone, absolutely everyone here is invited tonight. I've taken a quick glance at the invitation and it says this. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And if you're suspecting that there isn't actually a party and I'm making a cheesy Bible point, you'd be absolutely correct. (laughs) Just turn with me a couple of pages back in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 9. Page 642, Proverbs chapter 9. Starting at verse 1, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars, she has slaughtered her beasts, she has mixed her wine, she has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. It's a metaphor for living wisely, and it sounds brilliant, doesn't it? This has been the call of the past few weeks in our series of Proverbs. Come and seek the Lord's wisdom, and live by it, for it is good. Living in wisdom is all about living life well. The promise of wisdom is that you can really have a good life, uh, not, I hasten to add, good in a financial or material way, but wisdom is the difference between a life well-lived and a life wasted. A life of good decisions that honour the lords, where you live as God would have you live, or a life with nothing to show at the end of it but poor choices. If you want to live life well, if you want to understand the world you live in, if you want to wake up knowing how to use your days, then wisdom is the way to do it. It is the ultimate life hack, really, the secret to understanding the world, and it is good. But tonight, uh, in tonight's talk, well, we've got a problem. There is a problem tonight, and that is that you have been double booked. Uh, You see, you have been invited to another party as well. It's just like buses, you wait for ages and two come along at once and it's really hard being so popular, isn't it? Uh, Which one are you going to go to? Well, you might want to think twice about the second party. Have a look at chapter 9 verse 13 with me. This second party is being hosted by the woman of foolishness. that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Well, that doesn't sound too much fun, does it? We'll probably politely decline that one. But here's the problem. Two feasts, two houses, two invitations. Verse 4 and verse 16, the invitations. Well, I wondered if you noticed that they are exactly the same. The two women are saying the same thing. And in fact, uh, verse 13, Dame Folly, she is seductive. There is nothing about her appearance or the exterior that would be able to make you tell the difference between her and the Lady of Wisdom. Two houses. One leads to flourishing and life. The other leads to misery and death. But the problem is that they look very similar. And it can be very hard to tell the difference between the two. This is the issue for tonight. The path of wisdom and the path of folly, well, it's often hard to tell which is which. A Christian book can promise to help you live a better life, but so do all the self-help gurus on TikTok. For every preacher who faithfully teaches the words of life, there are a hundred others who stand in pulpits and preach lies. For every lifestyle decision that will lead to genuine goodness, there are hundreds more that will lead to suffering. And the choice between acting wisely and acting foolishly, it often isn't an easy one to make and the path of wisdom and the path of folly, it might well look the same. How are we going to choose between them? How are we going to make it to the right house? Well, what we're going to see tonight is the answer, and the answer is discernment. Once again, just like last week, we are now in Wisdom's School, and here is tonight's lesson, as it were, from Lady Wisdom. What we need is discernment. The wise person is the one who acts with discernment. And without further ado, please flick with me back to Proverbs chapter 14. And we're going to jump into the first seven verses of this passage. And what we're going to see, first of all, is that the wise person will discern how things truly are. The wise will discern the way things truly are. We jump into this passage and we're immediately back at that scene of the houses, the two houses. Verse 1, the wisest of women builds her house but folly with her own hands tears it down. This verse very much sets the tone for uh, the following 15 verses in the two units of Proverbs we're going to see today. And these verses, well, they seem to have chapter 9 in mind. They have those two houses in mind. Except it's really quite dramatic this time, isn't it? Uh, Verse 1, the wisest of women builds her house. Uh, It is like one of those episodes of Grand Designs, one of those good ones where they actually finish the house and don't get divorced in the process. It is an architectural masterpiece being built up. And then you look through the window of Folly's house, and there she is with her bare hands, tearing wires out of the wall, uh, overthrowing the furniture and kicking down the doors. Which house are you going to go to? Where will you spend your days? How will you invest your time and your money in the house being built up or the one being torn down? That is the theme of these verses tonight. Which house are you going to be in? And as we move through uh, the passage in verse 2 and 3, well, what we get is principles, principles of wisdom. And they're quite clear, really. Uh, Verse 2, whoever walks in righteousness fears the Lord but he who is devious in his ways despises him. The way you walk, whether it is good or evil, whether you are upright or devious, it actually comes down to whether you fear God or not. We've heard a lot about that in Proverbs already. Fear of the Lord is where it all begins. If you don't start there, if you don't orientate your heart towards him, well, you will never find wisdom. You will never walk uprightly. If you want to study advanced number theory, you must first learn how to add and subtract. If you want to study a Midsummer Night's Dream, you must first learn early modern English. And if you want to learn wisdom, you must first fear the Lord. That is where it all begins. Verse three, by the mouth of a fool comes a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. We'll be thinking more about our words next week in Proverbs 18. Uh, But we all know the power of the things we say, don't we? And we know the damage our words can do to others. Are you aware of how damaging your words can be to yourself? A sarcastic comment to the wrong person. A comment made in anger and it ruins a relationship forever. Uh, One ill-placed joke and someone never thinks of you the same again. A rod for one's back, be careful what you say. And we get to verse four, and I wonder if you notice how strange this verse is. Uh, It's an odd one, isn't it? It's odd because it suddenly seems quite different. We've been talking about goods and evil, and all of a sudden we're talking about uh, livestock. It's a bit odd. Uh, And then it's quite odd even within itself. That first line of verse four, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. I wonder what you'd expect the next line to say. Uh, Where there are oxen, the manger is dirty or something like that. Uh, But that's not what it says. Verse four, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. What's going on here? What does this mean? Uh, Well, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, and that's nice, I suppose, isn't it? No one likes dirty dishes left out overnight. I've got a note here to say avoid my wife's gaze as I say that bit. Uh, Personally, I've never had to scrub down a manger, but I can't imagine it's a fun task. And so, a clean manger, that sounds pretty nice, I suppose. That sounds great. Except, of course, it is by the strength of the oxen that there is an abundance of crops. How do you get an ox to use their strength for the harvest? Well, I presume what you need to do is feed them. You need to use the manger and feed them, which is fine, except you'll have to get the manger dirty. But when it comes to having a shiny, clean manger and abundance of crops, well, it's a a no-brainer, isn't it? You pick the abundance of crops. And all of this is to say, The way of flourishing, the way of plenty, the way of life, it might not necessarily look better when we see it with our eyes. Appearances are deceptive. We can be tricked easily by what's clear at surface value, and we need to be discerning. You see, verse 4 is all about discernment. Now, uh, just forgive me, we're going to be a little bit technical for just a moment, but verse 4 is really, really significant uh, in these proverbs, and it's significant because of the structure. I've put just a little glimpse of the structure on your handout. You might want to cast your eye over it. But you'll notice that this verse seems to be deliberately put in the middle of this set of proverbs. And we'll talk a lot more about this on Wednesday, so please do come along for that. Uh, But the the way this works is that verse 4 and its theme, well, it adds depth and definition to the other verses. It is a sort of turning point for this set. And what it does is it means that through the rest of the Proverbs, we are thinking all about discernment. Looks can be deceiving. Things might not be as they first appear. The manger looks clean, but that's only because there's no substance, there's no harvest. When the house of wisdom and the house of folly are both calling you, you need to be able to discern what's truly going on beneath the surface. And to do that, you need wisdom, you need insights, and you need the fear of the Lord. Verse 5 and 6, as we go through, they are examples of where you need to be discerning. Notice again on the structure, if you will, how similar these are to their counterparts. Verse 3 and verse 5, they are all about words. But the difference here is that central idea of discernment. Uh, Verse 3 is a principle and verse 5 is where you need to be discerning with that principle. Verse 5, just imagine the picture that this proverb is painting. Two witnesses standing before ye. One is telling the truth and one is breathing out lies. Everything that comes out of their mouth is false. But I think the point is that they look the same. In the post-truth world we live in, well, lies can come as easily as breathing. You need discernment to know who's telling the truth. Do you believe everything you hear? Do you believe everything you read on social media? How quickly I am to believe whatever I see with no real discernment. How quickly I am to believe something without ever asking if it's rooted in the fear of the Lord. And especially when it comes to gossip and passing judgment on other people because, oh boy, don't we just love to do those things? We love to hear it and read about it and pass it on and retweet it and uh, believe it and say something to exaggerate it, all without ever discerning the truth behind it. Am I just inhaling lies like secondhand smoke? Well, we need discernment. They thought because things might not be as they seem. Verse 6, consider the picture here again. Uh, Two people seeking wisdom, but one in vain because they are a scoffer. And again, just imagine the picture here. Two people seeking wisdom, perhaps sat here in this congregation. Uh, Bibles open on their lap, noses in the text. And one of them, they have understanding, so they're getting it. But the other one... Well, they read it and they think, "Cah, can you really believe it says that?" Surely no one thinks that's actually relevant today. Surely God knows things aren't so black and white in the real world. They are the scoffer, the scoffer. They seek wisdom in vain. And verse 7, the final verse in this set, and it is, uh, as you can see, an imperative. It is the application, leave the presence of the fool. Why do you need to be discerning? Because you need to be careful what goes into your ears. We are seeking words that will get us to that right house, and you will not get them from the fool. And if you want to have any hope of avoiding foolish talk, foolish advice, well, we need to be discerning. Who are we listening to? Obviously, we can't avoid foolish talk, but we can be discerning. It's very, very easy to get swept up in things, isn't it? Uh, Movements for misplaced justice and desires for things that are hyped up but never really deliver, opinions that are built on falsehoods and evil? Are any of these things based on the fear of the Lord? That is what we need to ask if we are to be discerning. Are these opinions Jesus' opinions? Or are they destructive words, a rod for one's back? Are we ascribing equal weight to someone else as we do the word of God? There are many clean mangers out there, I suppose, things that look good but have no real substance. Do they fear the Lord? Are their words a rod for their back? Are they lying? Are they scoffing? Things are not what they seem, but the wise will discern how things are. But as we continue through this chapter, well, the key to being wise, it is not just to be able to discern how things are now, but also to discern how things are going to end. And this is our second point there on the handout. The wise will discern the way things will be. No one likes a spoiler, do they? But sometimes it's really quite important to know where things are going. Frequently uh, in our house, whenever we're going to watch a movie, Uh, we need to do a quick check first because my wife cannot bear to watch a dog die on TV. Um, Thankfully, there's a very helpful website. It is called uh, doesthedogdie.com and it has a fantastic list of uh, not just dogs, but cats, elephants, hippos, whatever it might be. I think maybe even insects as well. All things to make sure you have uh, the most stress-free viewing experience. It is sometimes important to know where things are going. And nowhere is this more true than with the house of wisdom and folly. Now, this second set of Proverbs from verse 8 to 15, it is similar to the first set, uh, and I think deliberately so. We see the ideas of the houses and the way once again, only this time we're turning our attention from the now uh, to the future. From how things are to how things will end have a look with verse 8 with me. The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving. Well, we start these verses and we're on the way. It's another familiar metaphor, but once again there is deception. Things are not what they seem and discernment is going to be needed. Verse 9 and 10, well, similar to the first set, these are sort of principles. Verse 9, fools mock the guilt offering, but the upright enjoy acceptance. I wonder if you've ever met any of anyone who just laughs off their wrongdoing. I have a very vivid memory of one night in a pub after work, uh, one man just openly boasting about the affair he was ha- having. Someone called him out on it, and then the mockery started. Oh, look at you. Aren't you such a good husband? Oh, look at you with your perfect marriage. Mocking. It is foolish. Verse 10, the heart knows its own bitterness and no stranger shares its joy. Well, there is a hidden world, a hidden life, isn't there? One you have inside your own heads. Uh, We all have hidden thoughts and struggles for which we are accountable to God alone. And our hidden lives are complex, aren't they? And every single person you walk past on the street is dealing with a web of hidden struggles every bit as complex as ours. The point, I think, there is more going on than meets the eye. Verse 11 and 12, again, you can see on the handout, we get to the central section, the turning points, the verses which add depth and definition to the others. And they're similar to verse 4 in a way. Uh, This is all about discernment. Its concern is for looking beyond appearances to how things are going to end. Have a look at verse 11. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. What is the difference between a house and a tent? Uh, Well, it's obvious The house is better, of course. For those who like camping holidays, let this be a lesson to you. Even the word of God says it's worth getting an Airbnb. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm kidding. It's not really a comment on holidays, uh, but it is a comment on how things look. The house of the wicked, it may look brilliant but it will be destroyed. The tent may look weak, but it will flourish. If a building is about to be demolished, you you wouldn't go in and set up your office, no matter how nice it looked on the outside. Don't waste your life in the house of the wicked because there will be nothing to show at the end of it. Verse 12 spells it out very clearly, doesn't it? There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Everyone thinks they're right, don't they? Especially me. Uh, It's easy to fool yourself into thinking you've got it all sussed. Everyone thinks they're right. Many are on the path that leads to destruction. Are you aware of which path you're on? It might look right. We all think we're right. But what we need is discernment. Verse 13 and 14, The end of things needs to be discerned because they may not be what they seem. Verse 13, Even in laughter the heart may ache and the end of joy may be grief. Laughter and joy, I am sure there would be plenty of laughter in the fool's house. The hedonistic pursuit of mere happiness well it may well have a terrible end and I think we all know this we've all seen this even just in the world Uh, people obsessed with something people with destructive habits and they just deny that there is a problem they deny that it will end badly and they won't listen are we sure we're not doing the same with foolishness it's perfectly possible isn't it Verse 14, the backslider in heart will be filled with the fruit of his ways, and a good man will be filled with the fruit of his ways. There will be a day of justice. Uh, do you think you've got away with it? Proverbs points to an end where things will be dealt with accordingly, uh, perhaps in this life, but if not, certainly before God's judgment throne. And I love where this set of Proverbs finishes in verse 15, verse 15. You zoom back out and there you are, standing on the roads before you. Verse 15, the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thoughts to his steps. Which path are you going to take? The simple, they pay no thoughts to their path. They're deceived. They believe whichever voice is shouting the loudest, are led in any which way, because there is no discernment. But the prudent, the wise person, they do pay thought to their steps, and they do discern where their path will end. Is there a chance you are sleepwalking through life without ever having considered where you're going? I think many of us have been placed on trajectories that the world paints for us, that culture and society expects us to be on. And maybe, just maybe, we don't think about that trajectory. We're just happy to go for it. Do the job that people tell you to do, the world tells you to do. Uh, Buy the things the world tells you to buy. Uh, Do the things that others want you to do, never without actually thinking about whether they are based on fearing the Lord or not. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And so we need to understand that the wise thing to do is to discern our steps and discern where we're going. As many others blindly walk the path onto a wasted life and a meaningless death, discern your path. Give thought to your steps and make sure you know where you're going. And so as we draw to a close, are you being discerning as to which path you're taking? Are you aware of which house you are in or going to end up in? The one that leads to life or the one that will be destroyed? Maybe you've never really thought about that before. Now remember, there is something of a narrative to the book of Proverbs. We've been seeing it over the past few weeks. These are the words of a king to his son. This is advice on how to rule well. But as the original reader would have looked at this book and looked back on their history, well, they would have recalled a long line of kings who had not sought wisdom. They had not done well. And in fact, those same very kings had destroyed the house of Israel by their foolishness. And so the original reader, they would have known the the weight that this message carried. You see, there are genuine stakes when it comes to wisdom and foolishness, and the stakes are high. In this wisdom series, we are not just offering a bonus way to live for some Christians. Uh, We are not just offering an optional extra for advanced students in the Christian life. The choice of wisdom and foolishness is not arbitrary. Like we said at the start, living wisely and living foolishly, uh, it is the difference between living life well and wasting it. And now the book of Proverbs invites the reader to step into the shoes of the king as you make decisions about your life. Are you going to live your life in the way of destruction or in the way of flourishing? And as we've seen tonight, understanding, uh, you need to understand that the house of wisdom will not come easily, but it takes discernment. The foolish path is appealing, and we need to be discerning. As we walk out of those doors here tonight, uh, well, there will be many different paths that your life can go in. A great deal of them will offer you success and life and flourishing. But unless they are built on the fear of the Lord, they will lead to ruin. And the call for tonight's passage is to stop and pay attention to who you are listening to. Be aware of what you are looking at, because things may not be as they seem. And be discerning where you are going. Are there times when we lack discernment and simply follow the one with the loudest voice? Well, I've been asking myself that question over the past few weeks. Are there times when I blindly follow a path without thinking? Uh, When I never really discern where things will end? And the haunting truth is, yes, there are loads of times. Times I am sucked into the empty promises of the world. Uh, The dreams offered by our generation, the uh, million pound house, the dream holiday, a super flashy Insta story everyone is jealous of, the prestige from a high-end job. And there's nothing wrong with those things, I suppose. But am I being discerning with them? Am I discerning which one of those things will lead to life and fruits and honoring God? Am I being discerning as to how I can fear the Lord's with those things. And well, often I'm not. And I fall for that deception. I don't discern the wise path and the wise way to treat those things. And my prayer for myself, as it is my prayer for ye from this passage, is that the Lord will give me discernment to choose what is truly good in his eyes. And so, as we walk out those doors here tonight, well, there will be countless voices calling you to follow them. The house of folly is calling. And when we pursue foolish paths instead of the one ordained by the Lord Jesus, well, it leads to nothing ruin, a wasted life. There are two houses the house of wisdom and the house of folly, and both are calling. One will lead to a life well lived, and the other will lead to nothing. Be discerning. Be careful who you listen to. Be aware of which path you're taking, because things are not what they seem. Verse 7, leave the presence of the fool. Verse 12, there is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. Verse 15, the simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. Well, please do join me as I close in a prayer. Father, we praise you for your wisdom. We praise you for the book of Proverbs and sharing with us your wisdom. The truths on which we can build our life. The lessons on how to be wise and live a good life well lived. And I pray for every single one of us here tonight that that will be us as we go out this week. May we fear you. May we be like the Lord Jesus in his reverence for you. And may that be where we begin in every decision we make, Lord. May all of our lives be based on the fear of the Lord. And may may we seek to live wisely in all that we do. And I pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.